If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is The Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com. And without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is Nicole Holland. Nicole is a guest podcast guesting authority who has been featured in Forbes Entrepreneur and the Huffington Post, as well as countless other podcasts and virtual summits. She's often called upon by people to share her experiences about podcasting, uh, building an online business, and also growing your online business using the power of marketing. She's been featured in several conferences around um, North America, as well as in Canada. And of course, um, she's been featured in the Huffington Post in 2017 as the 50 Must Follow Women Entrepreneurs in 2017. Her hot podcast, uh, Building Business Rockstars, has been featured for a long time on New and Noteworthy in iTunes. And she also has a second podcast where she teaches entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and speakers how to become better podcast guests. So I'm pleased to have Nicole on the show today to tell us a little bit more about herself, her business, her experiences, and her new venture, which is Interview That Converts, which helps entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and speakers, like I said, become better uh, guests on podcasts so that they can generate leads and sales for their business. So with that said, Nicole, welcome to the program. Thank you, Cheese. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Great, Nicole. So I said a little bit about you in the bio there, but uh, I just want to mention something that I call Nicole the purple one because in all her photos online, her branding is so unique and distinctive. She had this great purple hair that you can't, you can't miss it if you see her on the internet. And I'm sure if you see her in real life, you can't miss her, miss her also. So it's, a, it's lovely keeping a, a unique branding because I can find you in a crowd just like that. And I'm sure everyone can uh, say, hey, that's Nicole Holland over there. So Nicole, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got on uh, this your online business journey. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love, I love the show. I love your energy. I love the, the leaders you bring forward and things you bring out. And before we just got started, you're telling me so much that you know about me. And I was like, this is Awesome. <laughs> so yes, and, and the purple does stand out. I just got back from uh, a trip and it was really nice to be able to people go, oh, Nicole, oh, I thought your hair was going to be brighter than that. Sometimes I change up the, the tone, but yes. Um, so I started my online journey really out of necessity. I had been a correctional officer, as you know, mm-hmm. and actually uh, in the GTA uh, near Toronto and I was just getting really burnt out really fast. Um, and I was looking like I had, I, the last year was brutal. I had kind of promised myself um, a year before I quit that I was going to quit. And so then I was like desperately looking for, okay, now what, now what, now yeah. what? And I had totally forgotten that like in days past, I was a business owner. I was an entrepreneur, but I had just lost so much of myself in the job that I was working. I had 
gone so far off my path. And I guess what I, I didn't realize it, but I was quite depressed, mm. um, which I never thought was possible for me. And, you know, um, the doctors actually said I had PTSD, which I really fought against. But mm. of course, in hindsight, I think we're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like in a really low, horrible place. And so I was desperately searching for any way out. You know, I was like, I got my real estate license. I was looking for any kind of job, you know, thinking though, how, who's going to hire me, blah, blah, blah. So it was a really weird place for me to be in mindset wise. Um, and then finally, like the year had kind of come to come round and I went, wait a minute, I promised myself I wouldn't be here and I'm still here and I have no plan. I have nothing to go to. Um, I have no savings. I have no nothing. Hmm. What do I do? And for once, I decided that the promise I made to myself was more important than the prom than than just getting by. You know, more important than anything else. I had to hold my promise because um, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I have a tendency or have had a tendency in my life to if I commit to something, if I commit to somebody else, I'm going to do something. I get it hmm. done. But yeah. if I make a promise to myself those are the ones that I usually let slide or, you know, put on the back burner, things like that. And so in this one instance, I decided that wasn't going to happen. I quit my job, had nothing to go to and realized I got to figure this thing out fast. Yeah. So that was it. I mean, I quit cold Turkey, nothing to hold on to. And I, as a correctional officer, and before that I was in foster care, before that I was in crisis support and intervention. Um, before that, I was in uh, youth justice. So for many years, I had been essentially a ghost. I had no mm. online presence. I didn't know the first thing about the internet. I had no mm. interest in social media. And I went, well, I live in this small town because I'm, um, I'm about 150 kilometers outside of Toronto. And so like, it's a really small town where I live. And I thought, I don't know how to reach people other than the internet. And I don't know how to people reach people on the internet, so I better figure it out. And so yeah. with that, I just started diving in, learning everything I could, possibly making lots and lots of mistakes and eventually making it work. Mm, nice, nice. So, Nicole, what you said there, you know, you did a lot of jobs before you got to corrections, before you made that determination that you were going to go out on your own and you were going to make it on your own. I want to know, what do you think was driving you all that time, you know, moving from job to job to job, because it seems, um, you know, you, you clearly had a business before you clearly had skill sets, but it seems you were still looking for something and that kept you moving from like place to place to try and find something. And I'm sure at each stage of that journey, you were also developing skills, you know, whether you knew it consciously or not, you were actually adding more things to your resume that eventually now as a podcaster, as a speaker, mentor, teacher, all those things have combined and they've started coming out. So what, what were you looking for during that transitionary phase of your life? Yeah, so that's a great question. I've never been asked that before. Um, if I'm honest, I don't know that I was looking for anything. Mm -hmm. um, most of my life, I was um, not antsy, but um, it's only in, in recent years that I've sought out comfort and stability. Okay. Most of my life, I loved adventure. I loved new things. And so I moved a lot of places. I, mm. I moved jobs, but it would, I, I want to like, I would usually say back in the day, and I'm not sure if it's true now in hindsight, you know, um, but I would, I would often say, oh, I'd get bored with something and I'd move on. Mm -hmm. And 
I think now, like looking back and literally just in this moment, because I hadn't before, I don't know that it was true that I was bored. I think it was more that I would get inspired towards something else that I didn't Mm -hmm. know existed before. So for example, when I was doing the outreach and crisis support in Vancouver, I was going into a lot of homes of foster homes. Like Mm -hmm. when I was when I was placing kids, when I was getting them off the street, things like this, I would consistently go into these foster homes and group homes. And when I did, I would get so upset because I'd, I'd hate leaving these kids. It's like from one bad situation to another. And I'd Mm -hmm. be like, some of the foster homes I went in were just atrocious. Mm. And that sparked inspiration in me to say, I can do this better. I can, you know, get a great home and, and, um, excuse me, I was what you called a level three foster parent, which is the highest level mm-hmm. for the most difficult kids. And so most of these kids at that point are like, quote, throwaways. You know, they're not invested in, people don't believe in, in them. They don't mm. see that they're special. And that's all that stuff that I saw. And so I got really fired up to say, what am I doing here? Like, yes, I'm making a difference, but what I could really do to make an impact is do this long-term and mm-hmm. help these kids who people have given up on mm-hmm. to understand that they're important, that they're valuable and to show them that, you know, like I had, um, when I did have the kids, you know, I, I remember put, putting everything into the Christmas and I have no religion and I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not into the holidays, but because I knew they never had that, like, mm-hmm. I just, even little things, you know, I would take the time of, I had a little one and and she loved making noise. She loved making music. She had this really creative spirit about her and she had been in these homes that stifled that. Mm. Don't make noise, you know, oh, that's a ruckus. Be quiet, you know, Mm -hmm. keep, you know, and I went, that's ridiculous. This kid needs to express herself. So even, um, you know, I would go to the dollar store and get her like every noise making instrument possible, you know, so a couple bucks for a recorder and all this different stuff. And I would take the time to wrap it really nicely. And I mean, the kid was over the moon. And so that's what inspired me at that time. Mm. Um, When I decided to move to Ontario and work in youth justice, it wasn't that I was inspired by the new facility um, with all kinds of best practices, supposedly Mm -hmm. that I had used to work in when I was in Arizona mm-hmm. um, with adjudicated male youth, but it was that my grandfather had um, a stroke okay. and they lived in Maryland and I lived in Vancouver. And so it was very difficult. And so my inspiration there was, I want to find something I can do in Ontario where I can drive at a moment's notice down mm-hmm. to take care of them. So there's always been some kind of inspiration that has has driven me to whatever that next step was. And, um, and I have to say, like, I love it here where I'm at now. I love it. And people even say, oh, you should move to the States. You should move here. I'm like, I have no interest to, that's what the airplane is for. Even though I'm not a fan (laughs) of traveling, like I love my cottage. I love like the vibe where I'm at. And Mm -hmm. like we were talking about before, I miss the city life in that, you know, I'd like to be able to walk to get some things to eat. Um, but otherwise, you know, I really, I like the lifestyle I've created for myself. So. No, that's great. That's good. I think that just indicates to me that you're an introvert or introverted character and you just like peace and quiet where like, even looking at the organization of your office over there, I, I can see that <laughs> you have a sequential and systematic way of doing everything that you do. 
So I guess my last question in this line of reasoning is working those government jobs, you know, governments all over the world are very slow. Everything is a bureaucratic. You're not allowed to rock the boat or be creative or do anything of a sort. What do you think drove you to the tipping point that made you say, hey, man, I'm not going to to do this anymore in corrections? Because I'm sure that there were little, little things that had built up over time from foster care to youth justice to um, corrections. And then it just was like, you know what, boom, enough is enough. I have to I have to go be true to yeah. myself. Well, I mean, I think a big part of it was that I was in a place that I didn't feel fulfilled, right? Yeah. So even with the garbage bureaucracy, which really was a nightmare when I was mm. fostering and um, and in the other you know places I was at, I finally wound up at a facility that was toxic. I mean, it was dangerous. Mm. It was the people hated me there. And I'm not mm. talking just the inmates. It was like the officers because I did rock the boat. I believe in speaking up for things mm -hmm. that are wrong. Yeah. And so... I went from a, a facility that was very well run outside or just outside the GTA and it was actually a good job. You know, I wasn't inspired by being an officer, uh, mm -hmm. but I could do my job, feel like I, you know, feel fine about it. I could look at myself in the mirror, no problem. My job, and as far as I was concerned, was to ensure health, safety, and welfare. I wasn't mm -hmm. there to judge. I wasn't there to... Um, be a punisher or anything like that. Like mm -hmm. I just, I was there to do a job and I was able to do it there. Did I love it? No. But at the end of the day, I was able to go in, do my job and go home with integrity. And then I had all this other time that I could do something that I would be inspired by, right? Mm -hmm. That I could do that on the side. Um, and then I wound up transferring to a, another place and this place was just, just disgusting. And I can't even tell you why. I mean, we don't have enough time, but it was just <laughs> yeah. a horrible, horrible place. It was very dangerous. It was very, it was filled with hate. It was filled with people who intentionally harmed other people in a day-to-day -day mm. basis. And again, on both sides of, of the, uh, the bars and it was just killing me. Um, I couldn't be in that kind of environment and I was getting super, super sick, my body, my soul, everything. Um, mm. And so I, I said that to my superintendent when in my resignation email, I said, you know, thank you for having such a horrible working environment because if this was anything like the place I came from, I'd probably stay to retirement. But because yeah. this place is so bad, mm -hmm. I would rather flip burgers at McDonald's if I have to, then spend mm -hmm. one more day here. So, yeah, but you didn't go on a flip burgers. You went on to become an internet marketing superstar, podcasting sensation, <laughs> and all that. So, what was the? I guess, let me tell you something. Okay? <laughs> really, I think it's really kind that you say that, and and people have said yeah. stuff like that to me on and interviews before, and I'm like, oh well, that's nice, you know. But I think sometimes we don't really realize how far we've come, and. Mm -hmm. um, I was at a party the other night. So I went to this, um, this event in San Diego. It was called, uh, I didn't go to trafficking conversion, but it was happening during trafficking conversion, which is okay. a big um, event in the, in the uh, marketing space, especially in the online marketing space. Mm -hmm. And um, I was at this party and this guy I hadn't seen in a few years um, came up to me. His name's Jesse Krieger and he's a publisher. He's a, he's a lifestyle. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. And so he's got a significant name. Like people know who he is, right? Mm -hmm. um, he's, been, he's been at it a long time too. And he said, wow, like you're, I forget exactly what he said, but basically like you're everywhere. Wow, you've blown up. Like everybody knows your name. And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> he's like, I see you everywhere. I'm like, wow, Jesse Krieger sees me everywhere. Like that's interesting, you know? Yeah. And that was the first night that I got there. And then in the next, uh, in the next days, cause again, I am introverted. Right. So mm -hmm. in the next days I kind of thought, well, I don't really have, you know, somewhere to go. I don't have like people like haven't invited me to anything, you know? And so I stayed away from the hotel. And I remember one day I was like wandering to ch go find a place to eat by myself because I didn't have a I didn't have a date, you know, the day before I had, uh, planned some, some events myself. So I had mm -hmm. lots of people around and then, um, I was like, well, I don't, nobody asked me out, you know, and I didn't ask anybody else out and I messaged a couple people. So I'm like, I guess I'll just go find a place by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and while I'm wandering and, and trying to see like, oh, I wonder if anybody wants to go with me. Um, I got this message from somebody I didn't know who a mutual friend of ours had told him, you need to find Nicole if you're mm -hmm. there. And, and I was like, oh, well, that's cool. That's nice. And um, I said, yeah, I'm just going to find a bite to eat. And he goes, well, there's food here at the bar. Come on back. And I was like, okay, I guess so, right? Like, and then so I went back and the entire rest of the day and night was nonstop. People I knew connecting, people I didn't know connecting and introducing me to people. And I was like, this is amazing. So I tell this story because literally it just happened within the last two days. Mm. And the other thing is I think sometimes we don't realize how far we've come, especially yeah. when we're grinding it out and we're working so hard um, in those early days, especially. And it's like, you don't realize the impact all the time that mm -hmm. other people see that you're doing. So mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty wild. And I hope that that can help some of the people listening because again, you know, I know what it's like when, when I'm in it and I'm hustling and I'm working so hard and I don't feel like I'm making a lot of progress. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, like in Napoleon Hill's book, you know, you're, you're, what, six feet from gold, like, mm -hmm. six feet, I forget, but essentially like, don't quit. Don't quit. stop when you feel like everything I'm doing isn't working because mm -hmm. it probably is. You just haven't caught on yet. Yeah. And that, that, that was what was, was a part and parcel of your trajectory because you were trying things out. Things were not working. You know, you went from conference to course, course to conference. You eventually ended up in a, one of Marissa Murgatroyd's, uh, conferences or courses? Yeah, that was Isn't actually, there? that was before I quit my job, in fact. Oh, okay. And I actually just spent the other evening with her. So it was really fun, full circle to hang out and, and talk about that. But yeah, it was yeah. Marisa Murgatroyd's Summit, um, Author, Speaker, Coach, Superhero Summit that happened in November, about a month before I quit my job and mm. really reminded me, no, I do have skills. And yeah, I am able to build something online. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it if it wasn't for that, I don't know if I would have come to that realization when I did. Mm, yeah. And it was actually a virtual summit that, you know, launched you out there into the world before you now got into podcasting. So talk a little bit about, you know, discovering virtual summits and then, you know, reaching out to people, even though you were an unknown at that time and getting them to say, hey, you know, come speak for 30 minutes, 45 minutes about your special topic. And then let people know you. And of course, you put up a sign-up page, got people to pay you, and then you are yeah. off to the races. 
Yeah. So, um, like I said, Marisa's summit was the inspiration for that. And I also had seen, by the point I decided to do a summit, I had seen a summit from um, Jan Koch called the WP Summit. Okay, yeah. The events really helped me to understand how to get started online with a business. And Mm. so, they meant a lot to me. Um, There were things about each of them that I thought, if I were to do it, I would do differently. Mm. And so I had spent about six months trying to get my, you know, get follow, follow these courses and and do what people were telling me to do. And it wasn't working out and I didn't feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And then finally I said, forget it. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Mm -hmm. That's when I got clear. I thought if I had something where I didn't have a whole bunch of people talking about the same topic Mm -hmm. with all these ideas, because that's just overwhelming when you don't know what to do. You don't need to be told all the things that are possible. You yeah. need to be told what, what to, to do, do to get started. Yeah. And so I thought, well, let me be that person who brings that to people because I realized there were a lot of people like me. There were a lot of really good, really talented, really smart people that were mm-hmm. feeling less than because they didn't have the knowledge or the skills mm. just to take the step forward that they should be taking. They were sold all this BS about you know, all this marketing, you need this, you need this. If you don't have this, you're going to fail. So get Mm. this, get this, get this. And I see this every day now, right? People buying into programs, buying into stories that are just not true. Yeah. They're not helping them. And then they get turned off to a point where they go, I'm going to do it on my own. And then Mm. that takes even longer, more heartache, more investment. And it's horrible because there are, there's so much benefit to having a coach, to having a guide, to having a mentor, to having a program, as long as it's what you need. And I would mm-hmm. say probably 92 to 95% of what's out there, unfortunately, is not that. Mm. It's very hard to see the, the, the gold. Um, and so I wanted to do that. So I wanted to bring together, um, the first year I brought 30 experts, one person per topic, one topic per day for the entire month of November, completely free, that people could come and learn just the basics. Mm. And so um, I just decided, I just had a vision. This is how I want to do it. And it was really for somebody like me six Mm -hmm. months before. Um, And I mean, to that day even, you know, but how do you just get started with these different strategies? And do you really need to do it all? Mm -hmm. I don't believe so. Mm. I just started talking about my thoughts, my experiences. Um, One of the the people who I reached out to was a man by the name of John Corcoran, who the party I mentioned actually was his party he had invited Mm -hmm. me to. And so I spent a lot of time with him in the last days too. And it's been wonderful because, um, you know, he and Marisa in large part uh, helped me launch my business, my online business. And that's the, sorry to cut you off, that's the same John that used to be the... um Writer in uh, Princeton White House. and Clinton, yes. Yes. Yeah. So he um, had done a webinar back when I really didn't even know what that was. I was Mm. on the list of somebody called Nick Loper. Yeah. And he's Side Hustle Nation. Side Hustle, yeah. Yep. We, all, we know so, all the same people. <laughs> yep. It's, and I mean, it's, and these are the people I've been hanging out with for the, yeah. few, for the few days. And it's been so wonderful because yeah. it's like full circle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but Nick is, I'm a big, big, big fan of Nick. He's yes. been on all, a couple of my summits and my podcasts and, and we're, we're good pals. And um, so he, I got on his list um, and he had hosted a webinar uh, where John Corcoran 
was talking about connecting with influencers mm -hmm. and he had this little program, digital product called Connect with Influencers. And when he pitched, I mean, it didn't really like, I mean, all my life I've connected with influencers, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Um, so that didn't really like turn my crank or anything. But yeah. what did was he had a, a VIP level. So he had the basic level and then he had a VIP level, mm -hmm. which came with a free 20 minute conversation with him on the phone. Mm. So for me, that was a no brainer. So I bought it. I wanted to connect with him. And so I, I scheduled the appointment as soon as possible. And we got on the phone and we were laughing about this the other day. Um, I said to him, cause he says, hi, you know, how's the program going? You know, what questions do you have? And I go, honestly, no, no disrespect, but I haven't even finished your program. Like I got this program so that we could get on the phone. So I've mm. got 20 minutes with you. I want to convince you why you should be, why you should say yes to being on my summit. Mm. And nice. that's what I did. And so 20 minutes turned into 40. He was all in. And not only that, he said, you know, who else do you need? Who can I invite? Who can I introduce you to? And he made a list of like five people sent out emails within the hour, introducing me to his friends. Many of them became guests on the summit and the rest, as they say, is history. history. That's kind of how it all started. Love that. Love that. And it's just um, some things to pick out here. It's, it's, you know, the power of giving, of, you know, sowing the seed and then getting the reward. Because look, a lot of people would have been like, hey, it's Nick Loper, let me just try and send an email. They wouldn't even try to buy his course or listen to his podcast or know who he is. But, you know, you gave and you sowed that seed into Nick. And Nick took the call because he was selling that stuff. But he saw the value in what you were telling him over the course of the phone call. And it was like, hey, you know, this is somebody that's trying to do something special. Let me help her out. Because you never know where this can go, you know. That's why I love people like Nick and John Lee Dumas and all that. Because in as much as they're like blowing up and they're stars and they're big up there, they still, every once in a while, they reach back. I don't, well, I'm, I say once in a while. What I'm saying is they reach back and they pull people up to come and say, hey, you come on the platform too, come on the platform too. And I want to add to that. There's a big difference between hand up and hand out. Mm. And I believe in that very much. All my life, I've been very much a hand up person. I am not a hand out person. Mm. And that's what I think, um, you know, these, piece, these people are too. Everybody's heard the victim story, you know, yeah. and, and I get it all the time oh, well, you should do this or can you do that? Because I, 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 it's like, I don't know who you are. I don't mm -hmm. care. Like that's none of my business. You know, you're not hearing my sob story about how I this and I that. Like, mm -hmm. why are you telling me this? I just, I just am so put off by the victim mentality. Mm. And so when people reach out to me and you'd be amazed probably how many crazy emails I get all the time telling me what I should do for complete strangers. Mm -hmm. what? Um, it's like, I have no patience for that. But should somebody sincerely approach mm. me and let me know like the impact that my work has made on them yeah. and, and ask me, is there anything I can do for you? Mm -hmm. you no. Know, or, Hey, I just wanted to let you know and acknowledge like this made a difference in my life. Like that's meaningful. Then you mm. can get into a conversation, you know, or, and that's a long tail. You, you, it takes a while to build rapport and yeah. the influencer may not notice you right away. They may yeah. have other things to do, believe it or not. Yeah. Right? Like, so you have to be consistent and, in, and, and intentional and genuine because we can smell, we can smell the fart in the car, man. Like, you know, if, 
if you're just going out there and, and saying nice things to people because you have this ulterior motive, yeah. it doesn't sit, it doesn't, it doesn't land the same. Yeah. Or you pay, you get into their program and you do the work and you get noticed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have clients and students who, you know, once they've invested in being in my program, I notice them. I mm -hmm. know who they are. And it's like most people who get into programs never do the work, never yeah. show up. And those are the ones who go, oh, well, but, uh, and frankly, it's like, oh, well, but whatever, when they want something. But the ones who do show up, the ones who do the work, the ones who, who follow the directions, if you will, like they, mm -hmm. they pay for a program and then they go, hey, I want to get out of this something, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than I'm going to buy the program and magically, you know, I, everything's going to be hunky-dory. Yeah. Those ones that that go and do the work and go above and beyond. I mean, even just do the work, not even above and beyond, but yeah. those ones who make use of the opportunity to, to bend my ear mm -hmm. and then act on what I tell them to do and then yeah. have these massive results. I am more inspired and more inspired and more inspired to give them more of my time and energy, mm -hmm. even though they're, you know, let's say my entry level students, they get sometimes the equivalent of what my private clients get just because they're showing me they're yeah. motivated. And I love helping people who are willing to help themselves. And I think that's really important to remember, you know, mm -hmm. for those, those listeners who are thinking, well, I want to do that. Well, I want to get the attention of, of somebody with a big list or somebody mm -hmm. who you know, change my life by endorsing me, then you don't go after them to get them to do something for you because of who they are. Mm -hmm. You go after them to give value, to yeah. appreciate, to see what of my gifts can I use to support these people. I mean, there were times where I would just notice things like whenever, once I learned about WordPress, once I learned about lead pages, once I really started getting a hold on these things, mm -hmm. I would go and notice things that, you know, broken links or things on people's websites. Yeah. And I would just send them a quick little message. And I'd say, uh, you know, on Facebook generally or on Twitter, and I'd say like, hey, I noticed that I'm not sure if you're aware, but this is what happens with this link. And people appreciate that. Yes. They have do. To say, oh my gosh, how do you know that? And I'm like, because like I do, like, I, I don't know even how to respond to that. But yeah. when you use your gifts to, in the support of others with nothing being asked for in return, it comes back to you. Yeah. And people just don't realize that, you know, it, it takes very little to actually make someone notice you. You don't need to like buy Nicole a Rolls Royce or something for, for Nicole to notice you, although that would be nice too. But it, 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 it could just be, you know, send her a card or send her an email saying, hey, Nicole, I noticed you like this. You know, these are four or five articles that I think would help you in um, guesting, you know, to understand where guesting is going or these are what some people are thinking. Little things like that. I'd be like, oh, that's I'm nice. actually going to argue with you on that one. Oh, really? That's like the worst thing you can do. That's the worst? Okay. Yeah. Don't ever send somebody who's an expert your advice to them about mm. what they should know about their industry. That okay. will definitely turn people off. Okay. So what's the yeah, better if somebody, way to do that? Like, I think if somebody were to send me articles written by other people about what I should know, mm -hmm. it's not a good look. And mm. I think that's the same for pretty much everybody. You don't send a mm. copywriter, you know, tips. Like you don't, if mm. somebody's an expert in a field, definitely yeah. Don't give them advice. Okay. <laughs> so give them something complimentary. Don't not uh, yeah, appreciate advice them. On the, yeah. Like honestly appreciate them. I mean, 
and and if you if you can't if you don't appreciate them why are you re- reaching out in the first place That's you know true. yeah makes sense makes sense <laughs> thanks for the correction all right so you <laughs> just my opinion i don't no, know no. <laughs> right, but no, I've, no 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 i've it's, seen it's, that it's, not it's go totally, well yeah it's totally fine and i can see whether that can go all right for somebody that doesn't do it um delicately so you do the virtual summit it goes great and then from there you transition into podcasting now I just want to fast forward the story of podcasting so I can get into interviews that convert. So basically, you had John Lee Dumas on your on your summit. You know, he talks to you. You guys banter back and forth. He he says, "Hey, his course is closing. You buy his course. You learn podcasting. You start. You know, you get a lot of guests." Tell us a little bit about a landing some great names early in the game of podcasting. You know, seeing the problems people had in terms of guesting and getting themselves out there and then how you created um, the, the business, which is um, interviews that converts to help people become guests on other podcasts. Awesome. All right. So I'll answer that, that last part first, which is I'm a teacher and when I have knowledge, I want to share it. I want to help people. Mm-hmm. So that's really how interviews that convert came to be. And initially, it was a that was the name of the course. It was a beta course I ran um, where I just took all of the knowledge I had about how to do a great podcast interview, how to convert hosts to raving fans and mm-hmm. listeners to leads. Um, that was essentially what it was. It was just me teaching everything I'd learned to that point as a podcast guest and also as a podcast host. Um, in terms of landing guests, I've never, I've never had an issue with that. Mm. Um, just like the summit, nobody knew who I was yet. I was able to get 30 seriously heavy hitters to, to say yes to me. Um, without giving them anything other than, you know, my energy and Mm -hmm. my intention to share them with people who needed them. Um, Never have I ever needed guests. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I went back to a lot of the people that I had on the summit and I said, hey, I'm doing a podcast. Now, by that point, I also had a lot of fans, right? Mm -hmm. By the the end of the summit, I had people writing me love notes and telling me how the summit impacted them. And I had some pretty influential people on my list that mm-hmm. actually had come across the summit and it became attendees that were writing me and saying, hey, if you're doing this again next year, I'd love to be considered. Mm-hmm. And so it was very easy for me then to go to them and say, hey, well, how about a podcast interview? You know, yeah. so I, I never, and, and I mean, I was building up relationships as well. Um, with folks, you know, online. Um, so I never needed guests. That was just never an issue. Um, and yeah, I mean, what's the other part of that? So getting the guests and getting the guests, um, launching the podcast. Okay. How you, um, launched interviews that convert. Did we cover? I believe we covered that. Okay. I yeah, think we covered sort that. Of. I mean, that yeah. was, yeah, I did the, uh, the course. The course. Um, yes. Huh? Yeah. And people were saying um, over some time, so that was the other thing is I was a guest myself quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was introducing people to each other. So Mm, as I had guests on my podcast that I thought were really good, right? Because I was noticing what makes a good guest stand out from a not great guest. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't what most people expect. Mm. And so um, I would go ahead and tell people 
um, hey, you know, I think you're a really great guest. And um, I know some other podcasters who are looking for great guests. Can I mm-hmm. introduce you? And they would say, yes, absolutely. So that's what I would do just, just because I could. Um, I would introduce people who I thought were really good podcast hosts with people mm-hmm. I thought were really good podcast guests and let them do the rest. And eventually, um, I had a guest I was inviting to you know, introduce and they said, can you just do it for me? I don't want to mm-hmm. book myself. And even though I'd been asked this a number of times before, I kept saying no. And finally, I said, yes. I said, yeah, why not? You know, I'm sitting here struggling to get coaching clients. And yet, here's this person who wants to pay me to do what I do naturally for free, easily, mm-hmm. anyhow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me see about that. And so that was my first client. And from there, it's just, uh, it's, you know, I've innovated and, and uh, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. Okay, so what makes a great guest? And then two, how can a great guest convert listeners into leads? Because like you said, there's no point going on a podcast and sharing your story, telling people what you do, if you can't somehow get the listeners to take action to come back to your website and possibly try out your product or your service. So what makes a great guest? And then how does a great guest convert listeners to leads? And again, I'm going to ask, answer the second part first because I sure. think that's what your listeners really want to know. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And it goes hand in hand. So I think when we try and get people to do anything, it's mm-hmm. like this push or effort, right? And so any yeah. parent knows um, who's had children, you know, when you, when you say it's time for lunch and that kid isn't having it and you're like, no, it's time for lunch and you tell them that or dinner or whatever, it's time to do anything and they don't want it. It is a fight. It is resistance. Mm-hmm. It is, you're going against the other party. And at that point, it's not, it, it doesn't usually work out. It doesn't work out easily or well, at least because you've got two opposing sides going against each other. And so the typical podcast listener is tuning in because they want to be educated, informed, um, entertained, and that's it. Like they're out doing things, you know, they're maybe cooking, they're running, they're driving, whatever. They're listening. That's Mm -hmm. their goal. They're listening, listening Mm -hmm. to learn, listening to have fun, whatever the case may be, but that's their intention. Let me listen. When a, a guest goes on to a show with the intention, I want you to sign up for my list, for my whatever it is, I want you to buy my widget, whatever that agenda is, now you're going to, with your agenda, speak to, to somebody who has their own agenda. Mm. And it's like that kid not wanting to have lunch. You're, you're, meet, you're met with resistance because mm. you have opposing agendas. So what I recommend is, and there's a lot that goes into being a great guest, and I can touch on a couple of those points as well, but you know, when, you're, when you're going into the call, don't go in with an agenda. Obviously, if you're getting out on podcasts, the goal is visibility. You know, mm-hmm. The goal has something to do with, at the end of the day, it's business. So you yeah. want to find customers and clients. You want mm-hmm. people to buy your book or you want people to get into your tribe or whatever the case may be. But we already know that. So we don't have to go in with that intention. That's just yeah. a given. So show up in service. Just okay. show up without an agenda. Like I had listened to your show. You know, I knew your style. I was excited to be here. But beyond that, I didn't have any talking points or anything mm. that I wanted to get across. Mm. I'm just here in a conversation with you, an authentic, real conversation. And so mm. 
I'm willing to let you drive the bus. I'm willing to go wherever you want to go. I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to just give you everything I can during the time that we have together. That's what converts listeners to leads, essentially. Mm. When you show up authentically in communication, in the space with the host, and the host knows their guests, the host knows their listeners and what their listeners most value. And if you really show up and be present, it just happens naturally because your listeners, if they have resonated with anything I've said, they're now listening to find out at the end Mm -hmm. what's next. Okay. You know, you've already positioned me like a rock star, which is a huge part of it because if the host thinks you're awesome, so that goes, you know, want to get listeners to leads, go on the right shows, go on shows where the host thinks you're amazing, where you think the host is amazing, have that synergy, have that connectedness. And the host has built up the rapport with the audience. People aren't tuning in to hear me. They're tuning in to hear you, Chi. And because you think I'm awesome, that carries over. And so Mm. it's very easy then by this point in the conversation if somebody's listening and they say, oh, yeah, okay, this, this girl's the real deal, I want to know more, then it's very natural and easy when I tell them how to find me for them to find me. Yeah. And that's it. It's really that simple. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfectly. Makes a lot of sense. So I think I'm going to ask you the other side of the coin, which is basically, you know, you've talked about the guesting side. Now, let's look at it from the other side, instead of the hosting side. And a lot of businesses these days, I saw somewhere GM or Disney is starting to get into podcasts. Or I think GM is already in podcasts. I think and Disney, Disney. Is Yeah. So a small business owner listening to this podcast anywhere in the world, in the GTA, anywhere in the world, uh, San Francisco, San Diego, I say, oh, I have a dental practice or I have a jewelry store. Uh, and I want to start a podcast, you know, maybe to position my jewelry store as a leading jewelry store out there in the marketplace. How would someone create a podcast to not only position their business, but to also endear themselves to their listeners so that people know that, hey, this guy is doing a great job in his business, but he also has a nice podcast interviewing people and talking about his specialty. So that's a wonderful question, and that's a whole big new can of worms that I can (laughs) tell you in a few minutes I can't answer. Um, There's so much strategy that goes into that, but if somebody is listening and is like, yes, that's me, um, definitely reach out because I'd be happy to to discuss that with you, like to anybody who's um, interested. I do also, in addition to having interviews that convert, which is a full-service book booking company to get mm-hmm. people out on other people's podcasts. I do strategy consultancy as well. Mm. So I can tell you though, that if you have a voice, you can have a podcast mm. and it's not easy to stand out in this busy and getting busier. See, especially with all of the big names and the big corporations getting into it, but there's still a lot of space to play. And um, there's a lot of really creative things that you can do. Mm -hmm. I think there's a few things in that scenario that you mentioned. Number one, um, the local or the locality of it and getting known as the business. And that's something that um, sponsorship could also take care of or mm-hmm. being a guest could also take care of. Um, but, and then how to, you know, get, get the business known. Well, you get the business known by, oh, by the way, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. But the podcast is, 
here's who we are. And so mm. you solve problems. You solve people's problems regardless mm. of where they're living. Just pure value. Mm. Um, nobody wants to tune into those podcasts that are all about selling something. Like, mm. who wants to listen to that? So remember, yeah. we're entertaining, we're educating, and we're inspiring on podcasts. And so if you are an inspirational person, then you have a podcast. If you are an entertaining person, you are a, you have a podcast. If you are an educational, uh, an educator, you have a podcast. And then it's because of the podcast, people get to know you. And when I say a sponsorship, like if you have that jewelry store, hey, today's episode is sponsored by, or this podcast is sponsored by. So for example, I have, I'm open to sponsorships now, but at this time, I don't have any sponsors. I just mm -hmm. started doing sponsorships literally like three weeks ago. Mm. Um, so I'm sponsoring because at the end of the day, it costs money to produce a podcast yeah. and my businesses are where that money comes from. Nobody's yeah. paying me to do the podcast. So hopefully mm -hmm. that will change soon. Hint, yeah. hint, if anybody wants to sponsor. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, you, you can completely run your podcast as a marketing arm for your business. Yeah. Um, but you don't go on the podcast. You don't start a podcast to sell. Does that make mm. sense? That makes a lot of sense because nobody's going to, nobody wants to tune on TV channels that has commercials all day long. Infomercial. <laughs> that's, you know, some people do. Some people maybe watch infomercials all day, but yeah. I think it's different when it comes to audio because it's very intimate medium. It's yes. in your ear, yeah. right? So at least with the infomercial people, you know, sometimes they're flipping channels. It's mm -hmm. like background noise. When you're in a podcast, you're like in the podcast. It's mm -hmm. in your ear. So yeah. You want to make sure there's value there that people are getting and not just uh, sales. Yeah. And as we start to wind up, we're at the top of the hour. I'll just have two, three questions and then I'll let you go. So um, we've talked a lot about your experience, your business, you know, what you do with interviews that convert. Let's talk a little bit about the power of storytelling to drive podcasts. Because I listened to a bunch of your episodes and your style is not the typical Interview, 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 you know, get the, get the meat or the background, what the people do. You have a unique way of crafting a story. So it goes like a tapestry from, you know, like the, I, I, I want to say it's like Inception, but one of those movies where you start at the beginning, you skip to the end, you come back in the middle. So it's always like you're weaving through, trying to understand where, where she's going. And then at the end, everything comes together and it makes sense. So tell us a little about how the power of storytelling drives a role in podcasting, especially for you and also what you teach your clients? Okay. True story, two things. One, I think I have to watch this movie Inception that I keep talking about. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> it's not intentional. <laughs> it's been all my life. This is me. I ramble. And it's honestly one of the things I'm most self-conscious of. And mm -hmm. so... What you just said was super impactful to me because I have studied copywriting uh, for a bunch, you know, and I listen to people like Marisa and others who I'm like really excited to hear what they're talking about because they teach storytelling. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm a terrible storyteller. And I've heard that before that it's like, oh, your stories are so interesting. Like, you're, they're long, but we lean in, you know, yeah. we want to hear them. And I'm like, 
I don't know why, but that's cool. <laughs> so honestly, I can't te- I can't tell you about storytelling because it's just how it's it's just who I am. It's just me showing up as mm. me, speaking what is coming up for me without any kind of script or anything. And when I've tried, when I have really tried, you know, the hero's mm. journey and all these things and copywriting, I'm like, it stresses me out. I could sit mm. there with you know, trying to write for hours and days Mm. and it's so, so difficult. Um, So my natural state of being is not to worry about any of that and to Mm. just be myself and, and speak from inspiration, speak from again, being present and in the moment and letting somebody else drive the bus and um, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's great. I mean, sometimes you, it's a, I don't, I don't want to use another knowledge. It's like sometimes you just don't know what you know. And people are gifted in different things. Like in my family, my brother is a naturally gifted artist. He can sit down, watch you, and draw you from A to Z, and it'll be pitch perfect. I, on the other hand, if I try to sketch a stick figure, I'll get it wrong. You know? <laughs> so it's not necessarily a you like going through formal training and storytelling, but also like understanding yourself and being present because like you said, you're an introvert and I know a lot of introverts, you know, while they're listening, they're actively engaged. They're also thinking, they're constructing, they're trying to figure out, okay, where will this go? What do I think will make sense? And those natural connections are moving so fast that you probably don't know it's happening when you just tend to keep going with the flow and it works out. But yeah, yes, I mean, we can still explore it further, but yes, great to know that you're a natural storyteller. Um, as we start to wind on the show, Nicole, um, just give us some, you know, some resources that have helped you build a better business because your podcast is Building Business Rockstars. You've built a great business, podcasting, mentorship, consulting. You know, tell us what are some of the things you've used to help you build a better business. Yeah. So there's two tools that I recommend to everybody. And I say, if I were just starting over again with nothing, um, Mm. knowing what I know now, there's two tools I would 100% start using and they're both free. Mm -hmm. They're both, um, they have premium options, which I do in fact use, but I would not start out with premium. Mm -hmm. Um, I would start out with free. And one is Zoom. That's zoom.us. And it's Mm -hmm. what we're using to record right now. I run all of my meetings on Zoom, um, whether it's with clients, whether it's um, interviews for the summit, interviews for the podcast, um, or even just a quick virtual coffee. It's amazing. There's so much that it can do. Um, and the other is acuity scheduling. That's mm. A-C-U-I-T-Y dot com. Mm. Um, acuity is a tool for calendar management so that you can create all these different appointment types, as many as you can think of, and you can really customize it and give people the opportunity to to, to schedule onto your calendar. Um, and so I use that again for everything, for um, virtual coffees, for um, consultations, for my client calls, for um, interviews, for everything. So I have it set up. It's it, the paid version, which is like fifteen dollars a month. Literally, it can take it take, can take payments. Um, it can you can send out automated messages that are really personal. Um, there's just so much it can do. It's essentially mm-hmm. my virtual receptionist. Mm, so. Great, great. And um, since this is a business show, 
before I let you go, I want to know, for somebody listening to this show, they're starting their business or they're still struggling in their business, what's the one tip you can give them to help them land their first client? For let's say somebody is doing a coaching or a consulting service. Hmm. Well, it's, I, I don't know that there is one tip. I think okay. it's uh, sales are, are complicated mm-hmm. um, and you have to have the foundations in order, in order to really have a sustainable uh, business. But I mean, you can sell anything. It's the delivery and your integrity and all that mm-hmm. stuff that, that um, is, is another piece that's a, you know, that you can't tell in a tip. But at the end of the day, I mean, you can, you can sell whatever you want by finding somebody who needs a solution and giving them that solution. I mean, that's in the simplest terms what it boils down to. If you, if you have a solution, keep it simple. Don't try and go into making these big funnels and these big offers and all that. Like, be real and, and decide, okay, this is the kind of person I want to work with because mm-hmm. this is the kind of person I like to work with. Mm-hmm. This is the problem that they have that I'm most passionate about and that I could solve in my sleep and do it 20 times a day and feel mm. great about it and still have energy, I'd say start with that, you know, mm. and find those people who have that problem and ask them questions. Be curious. Don't try and sell them. Don't tell them how you can sell. Just like, just like you know, don't send an expert tips on what they're an expert That's in. That's what about, yeah. Yeah, don't go to somebody who has a problem and without having any rapport with them or them knowing you at all, say, I can solve your problem because you mm. haven't identified to them that you even understand who they are, what their yeah. problem is. So ask questions. Great, great. And with that said, we've reached the end of the show, Nicole. It's been so much fun having you for the past hour, sharing your story and your words of wisdom. But before I let you go, tell us a little bit about where we can find you, get to know about more you, connect with you on social media, and of course, if you have any um, conferences or summits going on in the not-too-distant future, where we can reach you. Yeah, for sure. So I am, I am going to be attending... Um, a, not a conference, but a three-day workshop. And oh, it nice. is really, really exciting. Uh, my friend Danny Eney is putting it on. It's happening April 19th to the 21st. Yeah, three days. And it's actually a three-day like business training with oh, workshops, wow. interactive and everything. Hmm. And last year when he did it, it was $1,000 for tickets. He decided this year to not charge anything. Wow. So yeah, wow. I mean, and it's like Danny's the real deal and the things he puts on are pretty amazing. <clears throat> and I'm really honored to be a partner. So I'm actually going to be doing a breakout session on podcast guesting to teach more in depth about mm-hmm. how to position yourself and how to get those um, those bookings, you know, how to get those gigs and how to be a great guest. And so people can find out about that by, by going to bbrshow.com forward slash lift l-i-f-t that's the name of the event it's called lift and again tickets are free and all the details are on the page bbrshow.com forward slash lift bbrshow.com is my website for the podcast the business building rockstar show Mm -hmm. and so that's a great place to go and from there you can uh find me on you know my social is there and if you are interested in working with me or learning more about me um it's a great home base to go to so 
Great, and I'll put all that in the show notes. And of course, because this is video, I'm going to also put it on YouTube so that people can see you and me conversing face-to-face. And for everyone else listening out there, I mean, I've really enjoyed this talk with Nicole. It's been such a blast learning from her directly. I'm going to use a lot of what she said in my business in case you're not going to use it. <laughs> Is it I just gotta let me just add something. Isn't that the best? Like yeah. that's one of the most cool things about having a podcast. Yeah. Like you get to develop relationships with with people, but you also get to learn. You get to ask like the questions Directly. you want to know. Yeah. And I'd say that's probably one of the the ways that I've grown my business so fast yeah. is by learning from people who are doing things I want to do or who have um, you know overcome challenges that I want to overcome. So yeah. thank you for saying that, and I oh, and yeah. I hope that's also inspiring to your listeners who are thinking about podcasting. Yeah, because for me, if I had my last hundred dollars, you know that question John Lee Dumas used yeah. to have that 500 i'd start a podcast with the first 150 or 200 just because the conversation the the value you get from conversations with people like yourself and other experts it's if you were to put it in harvard business school i'm sure they probably charge you like 10 20 grand for three weeks of learning that stuff but you get to listen to all this magical content for free on itunes and whatnot and it's just appalling that a lot of people don't sit down and take advantage of things you get for free because a lot of times people don't value it, but I'm sure the listeners here value the stuff that you're sharing and the stuff the people that come on the show share all the time. And that podcast that you're talking about creating, all you need, Zoom, Acuity, free tools, Audacity, free yeah. tool, a recording device, and an internet connection. That's it. And a host, which essentially you can get for like $5 a month. So you've got a lot of leftover cash there. Yeah, you don't, you don't even need to make like a super web. With a free WordPress template, you can just put the link in there and you're good to go. Nicole, my friend, thanks a lot for coming on the show. It's been such a blast having you for the past one hour. Thank you, Chi. It's been a blast being here. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, Go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com.